God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Paul fits in in the Bible. Paul is right there with Noah, with Abraham, with David and Jonah, Peter and Thomas. He's someone who has this admirable faith in a tight relationship with God. And Paul is incredibly human too. Paul has his own set of flaws and misgivings about the world. If I've learned anything about Paul, it is that once he leaves his old life behind, he really leaves it behind. Once Paul comes to know Jesus, his life isn't perfect all of a sudden. Some would say it's actually worse from a physical well-being perspective, Paul is tortured and imprisoned, and he's believed to have been martyred for his faith. When Paul follows Jesus, he gives up everything to do so. He is truly made into a new person. This morning, we continue our deep dive into 2 Corinthians. Last week, we talked a lot about historical context and the timeline of when this letter was written. We are also encouraging everyone to read along with us in 2 Corinthians during this series. If you missed the sermon last week, you can check out that sermon online. And if you'd like to listen along to an audio recording of 2 Corinthians, you can find that on our website too. But neither of those things are required to jump in with us today. All you really need to know is that throughout the New Testament, Paul writes these letters to very specific audiences, to groups of people like the Corinthians or the Romans or the Galatians. And in each of these letters, Paul seeks to challenge and encourage that church. He encourages them to be better followers of Jesus, to better embody the love of Christ out in the world. This is the crux of 2 Corinthians, a call to the church at Corinth to live their lives like they've been made new. Newness is our concept today. While last week was really kind of in the weeds with details, today we're going to talk about how these next three chapters, chapter 3, 4, and 5 of 2 Corinthians, lead us, call us into embracing a newness in Christ. Growing up in the church, I will confess to you all, I have not always loved the concept of new. There was and still is some toxic theology surrounding purity culture, especially with teenagers. And what about those people, maybe you feel it sitting out there, who just don't really feel very new? Even though we love Jesus deep down, on the outside we may feel weary and beat down. 
I also never really loved the concept of Christians being this better type of person than people all over the world. If Christians were made new in Jesus, does that mean everybody else is just old and not exciting? For some people, this concept of new that Paul talks about comes off as superiority or with connotations of exclusivity. It can also isolate people who aren't confident that they actually feel like they've been made new. One of the common interests my spouse Jake and I shared, and still shared, but shared when we first started dating, was a love for the Texas Rangers baseball team. And during one of the off-seasons when we had just begun dating, there were a lot of names being thrown around for who the Texas Rangers were expected to sign. If you're not into baseball and have no idea what I mean, sometimes teams sign new players in the off-season from other teams or just brand new players in general. Sometimes this happens during the season too. But in this instance, I distinctly remember Jake texting me stats, yes, super nerdy, texting me stats about a Japanese baseball player named Yu Darvish, who was interested in coming over into the States to play for the MLB. There was rumor after rumor that this was the guy we should pick up, and different teams were being thrown around as the ones who would claim Yu Darvish. Jake texted me, I want a new shiny toy. Jake didn't mean that he wanted to keep you Darvish in his toy box as a little collector. He meant that he wanted something new to cheer for. He wanted a new page to be written in Texas Rangers history. He wanted someone like you Darvish to come in and shake things up. He didn't want to dismiss the Rangers as his favorite current team. His fandom was still strong. He was just looking for some spice, some excitement, some hope, something new. Paul is trying to convince the Corinthians that when they live their lives like Christ, it's going to be different. It's going to shake things up. Things are going to change drastically. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5, 13 through 21. If we are crazy, it's for God's sake. If we are rational, it's for your sake. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this one died for the sake of all. Therefore, all died. He died for the sake of all so that those who are alive should live not for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. So then from this point on, we won't recognize people by human standards, even though we used to know Christ by human standards. This isn't how we know him now. We're going to put a pin in that. Next week, we're going to talk about the new life we have in Christ's uh, resurrection. So stay tuned for next week, a little teaser. Let's continue with 17. So then, if anyone is in Christ that person is part of a new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation that we talked about last week. 
In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as Christ representatives. So this is Paul begging the Corinthians, be reconciled to God, be made new. God caused the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake, so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. For Paul, following Jesus wasn't something that happened because he wanted to prove he was better than others, or because Paul wanted to be a part of a certain crowd. Instead, Paul's newness had nothing to do with himself or what he wanted. The power of Christ is what transformed Paul in ways that Paul couldn't ignore. Paul's newness also didn't turn him into some bright, shiny, perfect, flawless person. Paul gets angry. Paul doesn't deliver on promises. Paul has his own history and his own baggage. And still, Paul is transformed. What is something new in your life that has transformed you? Of course, there are some things like marriage or having a baby or going off to college. And then there are some like really general things like how the first households got indoor plumbing in the 19th century. That's a pretty huge life-changing transformation. New things and new experiences have the power to change our lives in really, really big ways. This past week, uh, my uncle Mark passed away, my mom's brother. And as I personally grappled with this huge loss in my family, I found myself thinking about that word, new. If you've gone through a loss in your life, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of a mixed bag. My Uncle Mark has been made new. He shed his body of cancer and found a new way of living with his creator. It's a good new compared to how he has been living these past few months. And for us grieving, for my family here on earth, we're faced with a different kind of new. All of a sudden, there are new experiences and new memories made without our loved one. My aunt and cousin are beginning a new life of sorts. My family is on a new journey. New doesn't always mean happier or better or meant to be. New sometimes can just mean different. It will be a different journey than I've known. It'll be a different journey for my family from the past 61 years they've had with my uncle. The apostle Paul yearns for the Corinthians to understand this full view of new. 
that when Paul talks about being a new creation, he isn't talking about gaining more wealth or status or popularity. He isn't offering the Corinthians a life without pain. Paul is talking about being radically transformed with all the good and the bad that that may bring. You see, this church at Corinth has been tempted by other people who have come in, people who have come in to claim to bring the gospel of Jesus to this early church. Last week, we talked about the Corinthians demanding a letter of proof from Paul, proof from other churches that he really is a true leader of the gospel. They wanted people to vouch for him, even though he's who started their community. This problem originated from people tempting the Corinthians, promising them lives of prosperity, and expecting the Corinthians to support them financially. Paul calls out these people. We're going to jump back a chapter. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 6. Paul writes this to the Corinthians. This is why we don't get discouraged, given that we received this ministry in the same way we received God's mercy. Instead, we reject secrecy and shameful actions. We don't use deception, and we don't tamper with God's word. Instead, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God by the public announcement of the truth. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are on the road to destruction. The God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't have faith so they couldn't see the light of the gospel that reveals Christ's glory. Christ is the image of God. We don't preach about ourselves. Instead, we preach about Jesus Christ as Lord, and we describe ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. God said that light should shine out of the darkness. He is the same one who shone in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory in the faith, face of Jesus Christ. Paul wants the Corinthians to accept this new life in Jesus in a pure, life-changing kind of way. He doesn't want them to just go through the motions or to believe false teachers who deceive them. Paul wants them to experience the love of Christ that he's experienced Paul couldn't help but be transformed to be moved by Jesus. And Paul yearns for this early church to experience this love and to hold tight to it. To be a part of the light that overcomes darkness. Jesus offers each of us a newness that we can't earn a grace that is not exclusive to certain people. God's grace in our lives can sometimes feel like gaining a bright, new, shiny toy full of hope and potential where we're overwhelmed with love and joy. It can seem like a new baby or the potential of a new marriage 
or the life-changing experience of having running water inside of your house. And still, other times, God's love, God's grace, this newness found in each of our lives can mean that we are new and transformed and still we're faced with really tough decisions. Decisions like speaking up for those on the margins, like being compelled to bring truth to an unwilling world. Paul was new and transformed, and still he faced hardship after hardship. When we follow Jesus, we still face hard moments. We still face hard decisions. Like the Corinthians, though, we are called to claim the newness, to face both the good and the bad with the reassurance that the Holy Spirit is with us every step of the way and that we are each given the gift of grace and new mornings every single day. In scholar N.T. Wright's book, Simply Christian, he juxtaposes this challenge that we have as Christians with the yearning we have to be made new. And I'd like for us to end with his words this morning. Made for spirituality, we wallow in introspection. Made for joy, we settle for pleasure. Made for justice, we clamor for vengeance. Made for relationship, we insist on our own way. Made for beauty, we are satisfied with sentiment. But new creation has already begun. The sun has begun to rise. Christians are called to leave behind in the tomb of Jesus Christ all that belongs to the brokenness and incompleteness of this present world. That, quite simply, is what it means to be Christian, to follow Jesus Christ into the new world, God's new world, which he has thrown open before us. Will you pray with me? This is the day that you have made life-giving God, joining with angels and archangels and with the chorus that is rising throughout all the earth. We will rejoice and be glad this day. You take our endings, God, and you make your new beginnings. Your surprise and astound us in places where we expected that you were absent. You challenge us to reconsider what is possible. Living Lord, we praise you, for you are raised by the power of God, and there is a new creation. And by your grace, we are in it. Hallelujah. Let us now join together in the prayer Christ taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen.